All right, guys, welcome to the channel. Today's video will be in a slightly different format. Uh, this morning, I was invited by noted subject to expert William Tingle to sit in on a Q&A session in his uh, Sub2 Deals Facebook group. And we just had a lot of fun taking questions from members of his group and providing a ton of value to all who attended. Before we get to that portion of the video, please head down below and like and subscribe to the channel. And don't forget to ring the bell so you can get notified every time we upload a new video to this channel. All right, guys, here we go. You're going to want to watch this to the end. This video starts in three, two, one. Okay, guys. I guess we're rolling. So anyway, uh, hope everybody can see us. I don't do too many Facebook lives. So uh, you, know, you guys forgive me if I screw a bunch of stuff up. Uh, this is the sub two panel Q&A that uh, we scheduled for today with uh, William Bronchick and, and Jeff Kaufman. Uh, Bill Bronchick had a, a situation this morning. He is going to have to reschedule. So you're stuck with Jeff and I. Hope that's okay. I think uh, I think Jeff and I can probably cover most questions that come along. And uh, so anyway, Jeff, uh, you, most of you guys probably know Jeff. He posts in here from time to time. He also uh, runs a great group, Sub2 Empire. But I'm going to let Jeff introduce himself and tell you a little bit about him and his experience, and then we'll get going. Hey, Jeff. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. I'm, uh, we talked a little bit before this. I'm a little disappointed that uh, Bill couldn't join us, but uh, yeah, we're going to manage this just fine. But welcome, everyone. Thanks for having me on, William. Um, my name is Jeff Kaufman. I am from St. Louis, Missouri. I am a uh, Marine Corps veteran. I am the owner and the creator of Sub2Empire, Sub2Empire.com, um, where we coach and mentor students from all over the country, uh, teach people how to become I like to say how to become rock star real estate investors with an emphasis on creative financing. We, right. uh, I just absolutely love doing creative deals. I am a uh, husband to Shelly Kaufman. Uh, you'll see her interacting quite a bit in the group, uh, although she's uh, real estate's not really her thing. She's a she's a big time yoga person. She's a yoga therapist. Uh, I am the father of two. Uh, both of those, both of them are out of the house, uh, grown, uh, and I am a grandfather of two. And I know it. <laughs> I still can't get used to that, but it's it's a fact. So, a uh, little bit about me, how I how I got into uh, creative financing. Uh, it was really it was really kind of a trial by fire thing. It was quite by mistake. Uh, I did hire a mentor when I got into this business, and uh, I did I did kind of understand what. Uh, sub, what creative financing and subject two was about, uh, but I had no idea that I was going to be thrown into the into the fire like like I was. And uh, uh, kind of make a long story short for you folks, I um, the first three deals that I did were all subject two deals, and I absolutely I couldn't find a a, a decent title company or attorney or anything like that to to uh, help me close these deals. So I ended up closing them myself. Uh, made tons of mistakes, uh, probably would never um, uh, want to repeat those mistakes for sure. Uh, but to, to summarize uh, that first year in this business, uh, I replaced my W-2 income in the first three months in this business, all through creative financing. So, um, and I was, I was a government contractor. I was making pretty good money. And so, uh, you know, I was sold. I was sold right then and there. I said, this is, this is what I'm going to do for, for the rest of my life. And, uh, since then, uh, <clears throat> between myself and some of my JV partners, um, we're working on number 73 right now. We actually should be a little bit higher than that, but we're working on number 73 right now. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get that one closed and, and continue to push forward. Yeah. So, um, little bit more i you know i guess why i why i why i love this 
creative deals so much. Um, number one, financing for these deals is already in place. So someone like me coming into this, you know, I, I, I didn't have a savings account. I, you know, what is that? What is a, what is a retirement account that you couldn't pilfer from time to time, you know? So coming into it, I, I really needed, uh, I really needed a way to buy these houses without coming off of a, of a, of a lot of cash. And so, uh, this fit the bill perfectly for me. Um, number two is I get to help, I get to help people that a lot of my peers in this business cannot help. Uh, homes with very, you know, very little equity. Uh, they may be even underwater a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a, a fantastic way. I, you know, I get, I get, uh, I get the best terms on my deals, obviously. Um, and the, my, the biggest thing that I, that I love about this is we talk about, you often say, William, that, uh, friends don't let friends do lease options. <laughs> That's and, for sure. and I actually, I actually, uh, I've adopted that as well, that, that mantra, because, uh, they are, they're tricky. I'm actually going through one right now from yeah. about five years ago that I wish I'd never got involved in. Yeah. But one of the great things about subject to for me is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm buying this house. I, I, I get legal title to this house. So I ultimately have all the control that I need uh, and I can direct that, uh, direct my purchase and direct that real estate in any direction that I choose. So those are just a few of the reasons why, why I love it. But, uh, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I say, you know, you need no introduction. So <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, you, you guys know my story. I, I was a restaurant district manager and had been in the business for years, ordered a late night infomercial Carlton, Carlton Sheets course and started buying houses, quit my job a year later and have been a uh, bum ever since. So that's what I do. Um, we don't buy very many houses now. It's uh, I, I teach my students uh, what I call 12 houses to freedom, how you can create half a million dollars in income in 36 months buying 12 houses a year. So that's what we like to talk about. But anyway, we're going to get rolling here. We, we're starting off with uh, with several questions. And of course, you guys jump in here uh, with any questions that you have, and we'll answer those. I, you know, Jeff and I both work for ourselves. I think we've got some time this morning, so we'll hang out and talk for a little bit. Uh, we were, I was disappointed too, Bill couldn't make it, but he did have a, uh, an incident and uh, he, he said, we, we need to reschedule. So we're going to have him on a little bit later, but hey, Joni, good to see you, William, uh, Luke, good to see you on here. So we'll go ahead and get rolling uh, with some of these questions. Um, let's see, uh, Stuart asked, he said, I'd love to hear more about why you lean more toward contract for deed as an exit strategy, as opposed to a lease option. I think Jeff just touched on that a little bit. Uh, but pr pretty much in a, in a nutshell, in the first 12 years I was an investor, uh, I was a transaction engineer. I did whatever came along. And, um, you know, we sold, sold. Okay. I understand the terminology and you can't say sold with a lease option, but we're in our group today. So we're going to, we're going to say it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, we sold houses on lease option, probably 80% of the time. And what you'll find if you do dispose of properties on lease option, most of those people aren't going to follow through. They're just not. You're, you will get option consideration, but chances are that uh, they're not going to come through and get financing. No matter what the book tells you, the guru tells you, whatever, it's just not going to happen. Probably three quarters of the, of the time or more, you find that to be true, Jeff, they're just not going to do it. hundred percent. I've, I've been, a, we've been lucky recently. We're actually on the tail end of selling off all of our all of our lease option properties. And right now we're at 50%. Yeah. So yeah. And that's and, not without struggle, by the way. And that's, part of that's uh, probably the market. Yeah. You know, the yeah, market's 100%. doing really well. They're going to make money right 100%. now yep. to do it. But typically most of them aren't going to buy uh, their tenants. And if you don't want to be a landlord, don't be a lease, lease option seller because you're a glorified landlord. I mean, mm -hmm. in the best case scenario, they gave you enough money to fix everything when they moved out. Yeah. Am I right? hundred percent. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I would just mirror that. Um, the reason that I made the, and made the switch to contract for D for me was exactly what you're saying. I, 
I discovered that even though the people that the tenants that I was that, that I was vetting, uh, I was I was uh, setting a bar a little bit higher for them. Obviously, we want them to become homeowners. Um, what I found out relatively quickly, I'm talking within a couple of months of doing my first one, you're still a landlord. And if you don't like being a landlord, uh, you know, there, there are definitely uh, uh, people that have uh, strategies for not letting their tenants know that they're a landlord, but ultimately, you know, you're, you're the landlord and that's just, I'm a terrible landlord. I did not like it. Um, it's just not something that, uh, uh, that I would ever even think about getting into again. Well, what we, we're trying to create a lifestyle here that it has freedom. And when you're a landlord over a lot of properties, you don't have freedom. And, you know, mm -hmm. property management companies are a problem. They, they pad repair bills. They don't really manage their property mismanagement companies is basically what I call them. Uh, they're not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for their own. And they're not making the money with the 8% or 10% they charge you of the rent. If, you, if the rent's $2,000 a month, they're only getting 200 bucks. And, and they're looking for other ways to make money. So, I, you know, like I said, it comes down to when I sell a house, when I, my disposition method, I really want it to be gone and contract for deeds, seller financing, 10% minimum down. That's the best way to make that happen. Yeah. Most of those people are going to buy unless something really happens in their life and they have to walk away from 20,000 or whatever. Uh, right. That's usually a significant thing. Walking away from $5,000 isn't that hard. Walking away from 20, a little bit more difficult. So yeah, that hurts. That's my reason for preferring. Yeah, and if you want to dig into the, uh, I don't know if legal is the, is the correct word uh, that I want to use here. But if you want to, if you want to dive into, uh, if you, if you're thinking about owner financing with contract for deed, obviously they are not getting legal title to this property. They're That's only right. getting equitable title to the property. So mm -hmm. um, you are, it is a, it is a somewhat of a uh, risk mitigation um, strategy. You know, it's less risky for you to sell on contract for deed than it is for you to say, you know, uh, you know, sell on a mortgage wrap, which mm -hmm. some of those folks down in Texas understand that they, they pretty much have to do that. But uh, that's definitely one of the other uh, reasons why I also opt for uh, contract for deed over Absolutely. any other kind of uh, exit strategy. Which sure. which carries over into a question uh, I think that William just had. Uh, is a, a mirror wrap the safest thing for your buyer? And well, sure it is. I mean, they're, you know, when you mirror wrap, they're going to get a legal title, but that's not something that you really want to do either, um, at least in my opinion. Uh, I think selling on a contract for deed gives your buyer all of the rights of ownership and tax deductions, homestead exemptions in most states, uh, you know, their interest write off. Uh, I mean, they, they have equitable title to the property, but you still have legal title, which means if there's equity and you want to pull it out, you can do a refinance. Uh, it's just, it's easier to get them out in most states. Uh, you just have more advantages. So we don't do mirror wraps. We just don't do it. We, we're not going to give them legal title. Now, if someone negotiate, if I was, if I had a really strong buyer negotiator that said, listen, we want legal title of this property. What, what do we need to do? We'll, we'll put something in our contract that says, okay, X years of on-time payments, put an additional 5% down. If you put 20% down, we'll give you legal. We'll negotiate for sure. But as far as just a straight come in, eight, 10% down, they're, they're on contract for deed. Yeah. You agree yeah, with there's that? Some, uh, there's some trickery that you can, you can do down in, in Texas that I've discovered after um, helping a couple of students go through, uh, go through a, a mortgage wrap. Uh, we decided to simplify simplify things through, uh, through using a trust. And, um, uh, it seems to work quite well. It's really clean. Um, there's, there's trusts are, are, uh, and I'm sure we're probably going to get into that a little bit more later, but, uh, trusts are definitely a, a, a great vehicle for, um, I mean, they're just so flexible. There's so many things you can do inside a, inside a trust once you have a trust established. Right. So, but yeah, you can uh, you can actually there's a way to give uh, give legal and equitable title to somebody inside a trust mm -hmm. uh, while still controlling that trust. 
Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's a rabbit trail. I mean, I I think what you're talking about is a, is a selling the, the beneficial interest as personal property and using a UCC uh, yep. to, to secure that. That's that guys, that, don't ask about that. That's a topic for another day. For sure. <laughs> Sorry and about that. We're, we're talking about sub two, like 2.0 there uh, yeah, or yeah. Something for sure. But yeah. uh, so, so Rudy asked, how are you guys uh, finding motivated seller leads? How are you finding pe- people with VA uh, loans? And you guys, Rudy, you're in the coaching group. So, you know, we, we, Jody did a video there a little while back, and I think Jeff uh, uh, Hug added on to that as far as how you can pull VA leads from PropStream. So uh, there's still a way to do that um, and, and far as getting your leads, your VA leads from there. Did you have any suggestions other than pulling those from PropStream, Jeff? Uh, I'm going to be very honest. I don't, uh, I don't market any different for – I mean, I know we're, I know we, we tend to focus on, uh, we're focusing on sub two here, but my marketing, I kind of like to say market, like a wholesaler, uh, buy like a creative, uh, creative financier. So, uh, my marketing doesn't, it doesn't, I don't necessarily focus on just those types of loans. Um, I go out and I market as if, um, you know, I just, I just do a, a regular kind of like what a wholesaler would do. They would go right. out and send out their mail or they would do their um, whatever their whatever channel they want to use um, the only thing is I get to, I get the I get to tweak uh, different things obviously you know you can uh, you can kind of narrow in uh, on, on equity um, for those for that type you know if you're looking for those types of deals I don't really care necessarily about uh, about the loan itself I, I carry I care more about uh, the numbers in the deal. So, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you can definitely find in prop stream. I know for a fact, um, uh, VA loans and, 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 uh, I think, um, and I'm not sure, maybe you can answer this. I'm not sure you can't, per, you can't per se actually go in and search exactly for, uh, a VA loan, can you, or do they do have that functionality? Now? Well, they, they took that out, but there's okay. a, there's a workaround for that. Okay. Uh, I'm not aware of that work around you you pull (laughs) your, your mortgages and then you have to pull them out into a spreadsheet and sort them by mortgage type. So yeah, it's it's kind of hidden now, but yeah, there's a way. Uh, Hey, Sammy, good to see you guys in Texas. I know y'all are having a tough time out there. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Kevin, good to see you, Terry. uh, Glad you came on with us this morning. Uh, question, uh, William's actually adding on to his question about the wrap. He said he was talking about protecting the seller, uh, in the case that you default with that wrap mortgage. And yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right about that too. I mean, I know some people, uh, have talked about giving their sellers a performance mortgage or a performance deed of trust, or depending on what state you're in. And sure you can do that. But again, if any, any way possible, you want to avoid anything else being put out there um, as a lien against that property. And I'll tell you why I don't like it. The main reason that I don't like to do that. Uh, yes, it's added protection for your seller, but a lot of the people we deal with are in distress. They're getting divorces. They're in foreclosure. They got some other stuff going on. And those people tend to ghost. And you don't want to sell that thing on a contract for deed. And when your, your buyer raises their hand in two years, three years and says, Hey, I'm, I got a refi in two weeks and you can't find your seller to satisfy that note. Uh, you got a problem. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, your title company can insure around it and, and do those things, but I'm all about keeping this thing simple. You know, I'm not smart enough to figure out a lot of things that need to be done when there's a problem. So, you know, I don't want to be panicking when I've got a $50,000 payday waiting on me and I can't find uh, a seller who's just satisfying a literally uh, a mortgage or deed of trust that was in place just as security for them. They're not getting anything. They just have to sign off on it. And yeah, there are probably, you could probably put some kind of satisfaction in escrow, maybe, uh, but it, it, it's just not necessary in most cases. Most sellers won't even ask for that because they're not aware of it. They don't know how it works. So uh, would I do that? Probably not. If it were a screen, it's, it's all negotiable, but in general, I don't do it. How about you, Jeff? No, I, I think it's uh, definitely, you know, 
it's not a, it's not a, it's definitely down uh, lower on the um on the order of um of preferred methods to buy for me as well so i don't um i don't do it um i have done it uh, i don't do it um on a regular basis i just prefer to get the deed be done with it and uh and move on yeah. Hey, Luke asks, uh, so how are you finding deals right now? You, your JV partners, where are most of these things coming up? He says, uh, you know, pay-per-click and, and mail has pretty much dried up. And of course, gosh, we know, you know, we're doing 50% of our business from foreclosures and now that's pretty much non-existent. So what, what are you seeing with your JV partners uh, and you, Jeff? Honestly, uh, my a lot of my JV partners are as, as simple as it sounds, driving for dollars. Mm -hmm. That is still, I mean, it's definitely time consuming. There's a lot of work involved in it. Um, you know, you go out, you drive, you get these, some of them don't have uh, uh, a means to track what they're doing. So they're writing this stuff down on paper. It's just, it's just hard work. Right. Um, but they are still, uh, what we're experiencing, they're still the best leads that you can get. It's just, uh, mm -hmm. you know, they're hidden gems that nobody else can get right. to. Right. And, uh, especially all of you folks right now with this, uh, with this snow that's blanketed the entire country, mm -hmm. uh, a very, very good strategy. Uh, right now you should be out driving those neighborhoods, right. um, looking for, uh, obviously driveways that are not, mm -hmm. that are not shoveled or cleaned off. There's no tracks going up the driveway. I literally just had a, a student who's got a fantastic lead right now. Um, I am, I am really hoping she's out there, uh, getting this thing under contract, but, uh, it's exactly what happened to her. She, they got the snow and uh, uh, she's got a really, really good lead. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, Fizbo's obviously are a, a very, very good other. Uh, they're always going to be good. But the problem is they're kind of, uh, they're kind of drying up as well. Uh, um, but then, you know, we do a lot of, a lot of, uh, I do a lot of mailing a lot of mailing and it still is, it's always going to be in from, in my opinion, uh, it is always going to be a, a, one of the best ways to get in front of somebody. So uh, we like to stick with kind of traditional, traditional stuff. I know we've got, you know, a ton of, uh, uh, a ton of cold callers going out and I'm talking about true cold callers, not like, yeah. you know, not like the, you, you, have a listing on Zillow and you call them up. Um, I'm talking about people that are just uh, going out and absolutely hammering these lists. And you are about to see a huge change in, uh, in legislation regulation uh, in that using that marketing channel. It is going to be, it's going to be catastrophic for some people. So. Well, I, yeah, I agree on that. I tell you the texting and the, uh, the just general calling blanketing neighborhoods and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so out of hand right now. I mean, you know, we, we started doing texting a few months ago and yeah, it's somewhat effective, but just in the last few months, we've seen a major change. I mean, whether it's responses or even some, a lot of responses that are so negative and obscene, mm -hmm. uh, they're just sick of it. Uh, we, yeah. You know, but I, I still believe, you know, the targeted cold calling, uh, you can go through Zillow or Craigslist or wherever you're doing, take a look at that property. If it's got, you know, some of the indicators that they may be motivated, we, we go ahead and do a search on it. PropStream, do they have equity? Does the house look like it's vacant? You call some of those people, you can still get some deals that way. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just, uh, the, I think, you know, I don't know, I've been to, in fact, I've got a, I got a little war scar right here from a house that I cold called that way, that exact way. I went and looked at the house the other day and it, <laughs> walking through the house inspecting it and it uh i hit my head wow but, uh, be careful yeah, definitely out there, that's that's never gonna i don't think that's ever gonna leave i just think that um uh i think very very soon we're gonna see some major changes in these yeah. automated uh automated cold calling automated texting these dialers are out there I, right uh, you know i i couldn't put a date on that mm -hmm. but um i i when I talked about this, this war scar that I've got here, uh, one of the first things that the, that the lady asked me was, are you one of those guys that 
is constantly blowing up my phone. How do I stop you guys from doing that? You know, yeah. and they're, they're aggravated. She was aggravated, yeah. you know? She well, I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to see that happen because that'll make what we do more effective 100%. again, you know, when they're not getting hammered, you know, 10 times a day from other people and we call and we're interested, you know, we'll get the deal. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Okay. So William adds on to the question about the default. He said the normal sub two contract is somewhat silent on the default issue. And, you know, William, I, I guess got to tell you, and that's because you don't want to raise a bunch of flags with a seller. It's not like we're not upfront and open with them. Um, you know, if, I mean, if they ask the question, we'll, we'll discuss it. Uh, but, you know, depending on the seller's motivation, not even ask what happens if you don't pay now people that aren't super motivated yeah we get that question a lot what happens if you don't pay and and we're just we're so uh bold at our answer well if we don't pay your credit will be fried i mean that's literally what what i'll tell them mm -hmm. uh you know but we've been doing this for 21 years we're going into this thing to make a profit uh you know we've got a great reputation and i mean you know we've got references and that sort of thing but um, you know, you will get that question from time to time. And what I find is that most people are just, first of all, they're surprised when you're so open with what will happen and you don't try to dance around it. Uh, but you're, you're correct. Most, most contracts don't say, by the way, if we don't pay your credit is toast and so on and so forth. That's, there's just no, no reason to raise that, that potential problem unless it comes up. You agree with that? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> the way that I, the way I like to approach this is, um, I, those, my sellers, if I'm going to do this, this type of deal with them, my sellers, they have to be on my team. Yeah. I make them a team member and I am a hundred percent. And I just tell them, Hey, you know, if this, um, uh, if we're going to do this, this is going to be a lot of work. There is, there's some risk involved. But if we can get through this, we can get and and, and, uh, and get this done. There is, a great reward at the end of all this. Um, but you have to be on my team. You have, we have to be where we're essentially, we are uh, somewhat business partners. Uh, so if you're not fully on board with this, if you don't, if you don't, uh, if there's anything that I need to clarify with you, if, if there's anything that you need to, uh, um, you know, explained, uh, I'm hundred percent happy to do it, but I simply cannot do a deal with you unless, unless we are, you know, unless we are in tandem here, unless we're in agreement on what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, when the question comes up about, uh, you know, what if you don't pay, what happens if you don't pay? Uh, my go-to response to that, and I'm like, I'm, not, I'm no salesman, and this is not some kind of magic, uh, uh, some magic sauce or anything. You know, my response is almost always, you know, I understand your concern, but you have to understand First of all, I'm not trying to sell you on this. I need you on my team, but you have to understand we are going to be putting money into this deal. We're putting, we're putting some value into this home. It doesn't make any sense for me to put, to, to add value to this home, to turn around and, and lose it by not paying on it. Uh, and that's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things, a lot of other factors that, that go into uh, doing these deals with these folks, but uh, that is the most glaring obvious thing to me is look we're we're putting our time our money potentially into this deal um, it would be the silliest thing on earth for me to walk away from this and lose that money i'm an investor you know uh, that's just the way that i that i feel about and that's what i explained to them right yeah. so luke asked uh how is the how have the mortgage moratoriums changed how many true motivated sellers are available uh, my answer to that, I mean, like I said, you know, most sub two type of creative investors, uh, a lot of their business was foreclosures and they, it hasn't stopped all of them. I and mean, we've, we've seen a trend for more foreclosures here in our County, just in the last month or so, uh, we went from having 75 to hundred a month to having three a month. And now it's back up in the 11, 15 or so. I, my theory on it is that conventional financing sort of followed along with government, you know, okay, we don't want to be the bad guys that are foreclosing. So we're going to lay low for a little bit. And I think they're starting to, you know, dip their toe back in and say, okay, we're going to take some of these. We're mm -hmm. not just going to let this thing ride. Um, so yeah, it's down significantly, but there are still people 
that can't pay and move. And, and what you'll do is you pursue the foreclosures that are there, go on out, take a look. Uh, I'm telling you, people that are in foreclosure, and this is true whether there's moratorium or not, whether you've got 100 in your county this month or you've only got 15, you go out there, you drive around to the ones that interest you, take a look. If they're listed uh, for the auction and the house is vacant, that is gold because they've already said I'm out. Mm -hmm. You skip trace those people, you find them and they'll sign pretty much anything you put in front, in front of them. The trick is, is locating them and getting them to pick up the phone. Yeah. I'd like to add on to that too. If you, if, if you'll yeah. allow me, sure. um, what we're seeing a lot of obviously is a lot of uh, uh, deferments and rescheduling of these foreclosures. So, you know, we at like like you, we had a, a huge dip in in uh, in filings. Uh, it's now coming back. You can get out on our in our public records, and you can see that uh, foreclosures are back on the books now. Um, but what we are seeing a lot of are these uh, they're moving those sale dates out. Mm -hmm. So, a, a good tip for for everyone here, if you're out looking at pre foreclosures. Um, and you see one that's got an auction that's coming up within the next week or something like that, you know, and then, or maybe, maybe say you've got an auction that's in a couple of days, you know, generally, and I'm in a non, in a uh, non-judicial state. Uh, so I, I, I kind of have a little bit of an advantage over the, the judicial state folks, but um, you've got a couple of days till the auction date. Don't, don't disregard that. Uh, don't disregard that foreclosure at all because a lot of these are being pushed off. So you definitely implement a, uh, you know, some sort of follow-up uh, system with those because I'm seeing those being pushed off a couple of weeks. That's plenty of time to get one of these deals done. Uh, so I'm seeing that uh, in my local market, I'm seeing it in uh, a couple of other markets as well. Right. Lots of it. Yep. Uh, Brandon asks, is prop stream effective for finding sub two deals? If so, which criteria should I be using? Uh, I'll tell you, Brandon, I, in my opinion, the best one is, is the VA, targeting the VA. Uh, you can also look for properties that have a, had a notice of default filed, uh, non-owner occupied right now with the eviction moratoriums and uh, just chancing the people that aren't getting paid, um, out-of-state owners, non-owner occupied um, they probably have the property rented. If they live out of state, that's probably, you know, like I said, it's a chance. Yeah, they're just the most motivated, possible motivated sellers out there. You can't really know until you speak to them, uh, that sort of thing. You have anything to add to that, Jeff? I mean, I'll, I don't know how, I can't even begin to tell you how many, how many, uh, leads we've, we've got from, um, folks who have tenants that aren't paying. I mean, it is just an absolute, uh, it's a gold mine right now. And the problem that you, that you're running into is you have tenants that are wise. They, they are, they have what they have smartened up, uh, to what's going on. They know what they can get away with. And so we are definitely targeting, still targeting absentee owners hundred percent. Um, of course we don't have to, uh, abide by, like we talked about a little bit earlier, we don't have to really abide by the equity constraints or requirements uh, of a lot of a lot of our competition. Um, but you really need to come up with a strategy for for helping these tenants out versus versus try, you know, if you're going to go in with a, a kind of confrontational attitude that you're going to you're going to fight this tenant to, to get this tenant out. You know, it's probably not the best approach. And again, I come back to uh, into kind of building a little mini team there where I work with, uh, work with my landlords and I work with my tenants. It's a requirement when I get one of these leads, it's a requirement that the, that the landlord gives me access to the tenant. Right. If I have access to the tenant, I can really make their life, uh, and I'm working in tandem with the, with the landlord. We can all figure out a way to get this tenant out, get them moved on uh, to something else. And, um, and make it worth their while. And then, you know, of course we go in, we can get the deed uh, yep. and be done with it. So, well, and, and I mean, you, you need to be making that a condition uh, in your contract when you're dealing with someone in this situation that, 
you know, part of your due diligence process is making sure that you can work out a satisfactory arrangement with the tenant. Uh, and, and, you, and you know, there are ways to deal with that. I mean, it's all negotiable. I mean, you're going to know immediately when you go talk to this person, if they're going to be somebody you could deal with, uh, don't overlook. And, and for some reason, people don't even think about this, but money goes a long way. Don't overlook cash for keys. I, I've got a student right now, uh, that actually, we just did a podcast together this past week. And, uh, you know, the last, she's, she's closing on a deal, uh, here in a couple of weeks. That was a situation where they had a tenant that hadn't paid in eight months. And, uh, she's getting this, um, a no money down, basically working out something, uh, with the tenant and, uh, and she's got a partner and they, they sort of good cop, bad cop, uh, and so they're working out, they worked out a deal with the tenant and they're going to sell it with seller financing and they're going to use their buyer's down payments, pay the tenant off. It's a no money down deal. It works for everybody. Yep. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, people that aren't getting paid are, are a good source. Here's a, uh, just a quick little, uh, <clears throat> quick little pro tip. Uh, this is, this is one of the, one of the things that sets us apart a, a little bit, uh, in our, in my market anyway. Uh, what we like to do is. For every, every type of, of uh, demographic that we're marketing to, whether that be absentee owners, uh, you know, divorcees, uh, whatever it might be, cash for key, let's, let's, take, let's take absentee owners, for example. Cash for keys is, I think, pretty much everybody's go-to. But there's not many people in your market that are going to have a system or a program for helping that tenant get to their next destination. And so with us, we have, we have a, a system designed for every one of those scenarios. So, uh, so, so let's stack cash for keys on top of a, a, uh, a relocation program or a relocation advocacy program, and let's help them get out and get to their next destination. So that's, uh, that's just something that we do. And we do that with we have a, uh, you know, it's even in our marketing, we have a, a um, an advocacy program for just about every type of marketing that we do. Well, that's smart, especially in your market. I know you guys have a super active tenants association yeah. or whatever that's making a lot of noise. I know Kim Tucker talks about it a lot um, that, yeah, they're, 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 they've hired lawyers and they, they're really doing a lot out there that, you know, the landlords are bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got, uh, particularly in St. Louis, I know I'm not going to spend much time on it, but we have 80, 81 or 82 different municipalities all crammed into this uh, little small area. So there may be other, other areas of the country that are similar and they all have their own, their own landlord tenant, uh, regulations. Right. And so, um, a lot of them seem to have, it's either through, uh, through osmosis where, you know, they pick up on what one municipality is doing and starts to spread, or, you know, they just see that it's almost like a competition. You know, it's almost like, well, this area is doing this, here's what we need to do. And, you know, it's just for the sake of, uh, of creating more rules. It seems like it's not, it, some of it doesn't even make sense, but yeah. so, yeah. Um, I don't know, I guess uh, having a, having a way to help be above and beyond just simply, um, you know, doing kind of whatever, what everybody else is doing is, is a strategy that, that we like to use. The number one rule in business um, that we're all taught, everybody knows this, is you've got to be unique. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're out there in the trenches and you're, uh, you're walking these neighborhoods, how are you going to stand out? And that's, that's one of the ways that we decided to, uh, that's one of the, one of the routes we decided to take is to, right. uh, create a, create an advocacy program for every, everything we do. Yep. So smart, smart. Hey, Jonah, good to see you. Uh, let's see Tammy's on here Farouk, Gus. Good to see you this morning, Sam. Uh, glad to see all of y'all here today. Let's see. Next question. Well, Terry asked, she said she missed the intro, Jeff. Do you do sub twos exclusively? I think you're, you'll do whatever makes sense. Won't you? Well, I'm in an area you guys got to understand. I'm in an area where, uh, I stay, I stay mostly local myself. Uh, I do, obviously, you know, we have students all over the place. We help them close deals, but uh, if you're in an area uh, where a lot of business is done in, in older homes, um, it does, sometimes it doesn't make sense to buy those houses subject to, because it needs so much work that, mm -hmm. 
you know, it just, you know, the numbers just don't work out. So uh, we, we're kind of, my hand's kind of forced to uh, um, be that transaction engineer that, that William was talking about earlier. I kind of have to be that way because the areas that we work in, um, they're just not cookie cutter. They, you know, we have, it varies so greatly. Uh, so no, I don't do strictly subject to, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of owner finance that goes on here because they are older homes and a lot of them do have, you know, they'll have a lot of equity in them or uh, a lot of them are even, are even owned outright. So uh, we will pick up uh, houses using different strategies, but uh, our, our exit is always going to be the same. Um, it is going to be a contract for D, but right. no, I don't strictly buy subject to. <laughs> well, One thing I don't do anymore is lease option though. I will not do a, a sandwich lease option no, ever. No. Terrible. The only, the only thing, the only time that I see where that may be, uh, become beneficial is when the market finally does start tanking. And, and some of these, uh, some of these houses that, you know, these people that own them, they just want to get in and not have to, um, not have to make that payment. And that might be a viable strategy. I, we've just been talking about that lately. I, I don't, I still don't, I don't like lease options, period. But you may have to shift a little bit when, you know, markets like ours in Colorado or Las Vegas or something, when you can get in to, I mean, we're actually talking about that, looking for our house, probably after mm -hmm. the market tanks, you know, when you're talking about buying an upper end property that you can get in for the mortgage payment amount on the promise, at least the, the seller thinks, I mean, you may buy it at some point in the future and they just want to get rid of it. That might be smart at that time, but, but just in general, just buying single family houses for investment purposes, no way, not at all. Yeah. So William added on to his question. He said the going back to the contract, not addressing default. He said it was raised by a seller's attorney when she reviewed the contract. Well, of course it will. That's what that's what the attorneys do. You know, they they fall into stuff and mess everything up. So Bill's not here today, so we can talk about them. But uh, well, I mean, if you're if you're picking up a, a property owner finance anyway. Um, I mean, it would be, it would, it would make, make sense that generally you're not going to be picking it up. First of all, I would not be picking up a property um, without legal title, first mm -hmm. of all. So you're going to have, you're going to have a recorded deed of trust or recorded mortgage, and you're going to have a note just like they're, you know, they're the lender. So um, having that in your, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of moot to have it in your, in your contract. It's going to be they're going to they're going to be fully legally protected with a recorded deed of trust or mortgage anyway so uh, if you stop paying they get to foreclose it's not it's doesn't need to be that complicated and, that, and that's you know i i, I listen to bill bronchick quite a bit and I, he's he's one of the attorneys that i that i definitely uh, definitely respect but boy these attorneys can complicate things I mean, oh, they really, they? Really, uh, attorneys and real estate agents yeah. <laughs> hey, if there are any agents on guys, you, you, you know, you guys are accepted as always, but, uh, in general, yeah, agents, agents can mess stuff up too. Attorneys will tell you, yeah, it's illegal. You can't do it. It violates yeah. the do on sale clause. You'll go to jail. Yeah. No do yeah. on sale jail. Right. Yeah. Um, Rudy. Uh, hey, Sam, enjoy your swim. Uh, have a good time today. Um, Rudy asks, how do you help a tenant relocate if they're not paying what landlord would accept them? So how do you do that, Jeff, with your program? That is, uh, that is, that is tricky. Uh, one thing that we do, is, well, one thing that we, we have offered, um, and it, again, this is a numbers game. Um, what, we, what we do is we, we make sure that we're working in tandem with the, land, with the current landlord, and, and the tenant. And when they move on to the, to their next property, um, we are actually going to, we're, we're, we're going to try and let, let me just give you an example, better way to explain this. Uh, we have a seller who is a, a tired landlord. He's ready to get rid of this tenant. We're going to pay him, uh, you know, a certain amount to, uh, for this property. Um, we have the tenant moving out we found her a new place and but it's going to cost us a certain amount of money we, we want to be able to guarantee that future landlord a uh, a certain 
a certain number of months rent. Okay. So what we do is we negotiate with our seller to, so that we don't have to come up with so much money out of pocket to do it. So we will negotiate with him. We say, Hey, we can get this, we can get this person into this other property, but it's going to cost you this much. And we're only doing that so that our, our future landlord is protected for a certain amount of months. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not, a, uh, it's not a, um, you know, it's not the answer to, to the whole problem. Um, I mean, there, there are circumstances. Um, for example, we have another one where uh, the person, the, the tenant would definitely qualify for section eight, hundred percent. Now, I mean, we're getting into, um, you know, kind of lower, uh, lower, lower income areas and what have you. But uh, this one particular one that we're working on is this, the tenant is, would definitely qualify for section eight, but they're, uh, they don't, they don't have a section eight voucher and they are not paying their, 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 uh, their rent. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we turn around, we have an advocacy program that we, we start, we point them in the, in the direction of section eight, we get them signed up with section eight and we get them into that property, that next property with the guarantee that there will be a section eight subsidy for that future landlord. So, I mean, these are the types of things that um, I think most people are going, I mean, your, your competition probably, probably is not going to go to those extremes. I mean, so again, we get paid for what we do, you know, um, and, and that's just one of the things that we're willing to do if we've got a good deal on our hands. It's just that simple. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of work, but it's, uh, there is a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and there is a big reward for us. Well, I mean, it's it's just something that uh, that may be helpful right in our current market. I mean, it's not like you'd have yeah. to do it forever. Yeah, but get, get them qualified, pointing pointing them to the Section Eight program, uh, get them on that that sort of thing. It's it's really kind of what we do for people in foreclosure when we first try to help them save their house. We work with them basically for free, just trying to get them to make contact with the lender, show them what can be done because they just don't know. So it's yeah. really about educating people and, and you know, the karma's good. And, and you, then you become known in the community. You can't buy that kind of reputation, yeah. you know, for helping people. And that's really what we're supposed to be doing anyway. So yeah, sounds like a great, like a great plan. Uh, Stuart asks, how do you handle the obstacle you run into with a seller that wants to 1031? I got to tell you, I've been doing this for 21 years and I may have spoken to one or two people our, our typical seller does probably doesn't know the term 1031. Uh, now, maybe if you're dealing with investors or people that have been around for a while, but my typical seller, I'd say 99.9% .9 of the time, just doesn't have a clue. We just don't, I just don't get that question. I mean, you I might. Don't, I don't either. I yeah. definitely, um, first of all, I don't, I don't generally, if, if I'm buying from an investor, uh, it's probably overpriced anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I don't, I don't typically get that uh Get that yeah. question. Hey, 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 Rainy, you're an agent, but you're okay. It's no problem. We, but I did, in. can we, but the, with the 1031 though, yeah. uh, this is just another sale. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's handled exactly the same. So if they, if they, if they want a 1031, I mean, it's, this is just another sale. This is not anything. Uh, there's nothing special. There's no, there's no special, um, <clears throat> there's no magic behind doing a 1031 when you, when you want to buy one of these deals. It's the same thing, same process. Well, well, they're, you know, my understanding about how it works, they're probably looking to roll their equity into something else. And most, most of the deals that we look for aren't going to have substantial equity. I mean, they're just not, That's... our, our equity is going to be, their equity is going, going to be covered the vast majority of the time by our buyer's down payment, period. Sure. sure. So, you know, when you're talking about somebody that, uh, and, and I'm not sure exactly what Stuart was talking about. Maybe he is talking about, you know, sell cash deals, some kind of creative seller financing, maybe in that scenario where you've got yeah. somebody that's got a $300,000 house that's pretty much paid for and, and they want to 1031. So then obviously all deals aren't going to work and that's yeah. just not going to work. And I'm, yeah. I'm not prepared to go to the bank and get financing. I decided a long time ago, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I might be able to, but I'm just not going to because I'm not going to pay the excessive fees and 
and and and deal with the stress and everything of that when somebody can just sign a piece of paper and give me a house. Yeah. You know I mean? So some deals <laughs> yeah. just won't work. Yeah. Some of those um, some of those situations, like I said, this doesn't this doesn't come up very often at all. Yeah. Um, uh, Tanya, yes. It sounds like with Jeff's advocacy program, uh, the seller is doing some subsidizing. Of course, they're subsidizing anyway if tenants not paying. 100%. How much longer are they willing to put up with that? Yeah, (laughs) that's right. You know, you can you can either pay and fix it now or you can ride on for the next however long they extend it. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that I didn't. I don't know if they've actually done it yet. I know that they were talking about uh, extending the foreclosure moratorium until the end of June. So, I mean, you know, the, the eviction is just, it's right behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it hasn't already, I think some cities already have extended it to the summer. So anyway, Crazy. all right. So let's see what we got. You got time, Jeff. We can stay on here a little longer. hundred percent. I've got okay. uh, right. plenty of time. Okay. Uh, Tammy asked a question. She said she'd love to hear at least William Bronchick's advice on tabletop closings uh, because she thinks he says to always use an attorney. I, I'll tell you, Tammy, I actually, Bill Bronchick has been my teacher since I got started. And, uh, you know, all attorneys are going to recommend that you use an attorney. And I recommend that you use one too until you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people may need to use one forever and, and that's a comfort level. You've got to decide if that's something that works for you. Uh, I started doing most closings on my own out of necessity because of speed. I, we dealt with so many foreclosures, especially when I was in Georgia, when the foreclosure window, the entire window was 30 days. Uh, you didn't have time to play around and a three week closing or title, you know, company can't get to you. You just didn't have time for that stuff. So and I think if Bill were here, he would say, you know, do what you got to do. Uh, yeah, we want you, we recommend you use an attorney. I think they have to because they're licensed. But uh, the truth is that, you know, 95% of our buys. Now we do 100% closing on the sell side with a lawyer always. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that. But on the buy side, 95%, you can do with a notary. What do you think, Jeff? Yeah, I, uh, there, there are basically two scenarios where, <clears throat> well, let's just, if you are, if you're new, if you're new in this business or new to creative deals, 100%, both sides, I, I would always recommend using an attorney. It's, it can be, I, I mean, I didn't do it. I had to, I had to kind of teach myself how to do this. And I definitely made some mistakes, you know, uh, with quick claim deeds and all this stuff. Um but definitely, if you're new, definitely, definitely, definitely talk to an attorney. Um, there is just so much out there that, uh, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know how to how to look up title, if you don't have the right contact, uh, the right contacts to to pull title for you, then you're just going to want to use a closing company. Yeah. Uh, two scenarios that where a title company is probably not going to be an option for you. Um, and one of those can be. Uh, it can be uh, it can be kind of molded to the situation, but one is like William said. One is if you've got if speed is a uh, is uh, if time is of the essence here, and you've got a property going to uh, going to auction, a hundred percent. You know you're going to do the very very best you can. In fact, there have been times where I just went ahead and got the deed, and then I would go pull title, and you know and clear title up that way just because, you know, I needed to get that property oh, absolutely. Uh, under control. So those are the, those are the people that, you know, are flighty and stuff's going on. They don't live in the house anymore. You have trouble getting yep. in touch with them. You get that deed and that power of attorney, and then you go back and do the closing later, at least right. then you own the house and you've got, got what you need to do business. Yeah. yeah so sure. speed, speed is the first uh, condition. Uh, the second condition, and you're going to find this a, a lot if you're, uh, if you're new in the business and you just don't have the network, uh, you're going to find that title companies are going to just stare at you. They're going to look at you sideways. They're not going to know what you're talking about, uh, and uh, they're not going to close your deal for you because they don't understand that uh, you can exclude that lien out of that title policy. Mm-hmm. Or some of them will even cover that lien. Yeah. So, uh, but, so that's the other scenario where you're going to find uh, a kitchen table closing uh, comes in very, very handy. And in that situation, 
I would also recommend that you just go ahead and uh, go ahead and go to your mom and or your your uh, you know your run of the mill title company, your retail title company. Go ahead and have title pulled and tell them that you are going to you would like to pay for that service for them to pull that title for you. Um, and make sure that you ask for a 100%, just a, a full and complete title search as if they are going to underwrite a policy for you. Um, right. You're not going to be buying and, you know, buying a policy from them, obviously, because they're not willing to underwrite that policy for you. But at least you have the abstract and at least you have every, you know, everything in front of you. You can make an informed decision about whether or not that uh, that title is clean. Right. And so uh, you can still use in that situation, you can still use any, any title company. It's just, you're not buying a title policy and you can still kitchen table, close that deal. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Hey, Josh, good to see you, Jared. Um, Corey, glad to see you on here. Corey asks, what have you found has been the most effective form of marketing? And also what do you recommend as lower cost marketing? Uh, for someone getting started. I'll tell you, you, you guys, we, we had somebody uh, in the group recently that just said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm closing on this deal from a bandit sign. And how many, how many times do you hear lately? Oh, bandit signs don't work. Uh, cold calling doesn't work. This, does, I mean, those are super cheap methods that do work. They absolutely do work. Prop stream. It's a hundred bucks a month. You can pull 10,000 leads skip them, pick up the phone. Uh, Nicholas Nick with lead mining pros. Hey, Nick, if you're on here, good to see you. Uh, he just gave me a code for all sub two students. You guys can get 500 free leads. He'll pull the leads for you and do the skips for you. Absolutely free. It's 60 bucks. Uh, but it doesn't cost you a nickel. Just use the code and go get them. That's 500 free leads. Pick up the phone and start dialing. Um, that's the first thing I would do uh, is just start calling, driving for dollars, like Jeff said earlier, skip trace those addresses, uh, put out some bandit signs, get some magnetics on your car. They're 30 bucks. That's a one-time payment. Uh, I've made six figures off of magnetics. People stop you, leave a note on your car, you know, cheap and free marketing. And it's, it's old school. It's, uh, you know, it's basic stuff, but it works. And if you don't have money, otherwise do it, you know, just do it. Yeah. Uh, the obvious, I mean, driving for dollars, there's, mm -hmm. there's still, and the, the way that, the way that we can explain this is, uh, uh, is the way it was taught to me. And you either have, you either have time or you have money. Mm -hmm. There's a trade-off, there's direct a direct trade-off or direct correlation between those two. And if you don't have, if you don't have the funds to go out and uh, do these, these elaborate uh, marketing campaigns, you're going to have to, you're going to have to make your time available. Yeah. And a hundred percent, you know, uh, driving for dollars, picking up the phone, calling Fizbo's. Um, as far as the most, um, Gosh, it's hard to say right now what is the most effective because we got so much going on. But um, I, st I still love I still love driving for dollars. And um, what we've what we've got to at this point is we actually have a, a whole program for um, for our bandit signs. So or for for bird dogs, you know, um, bird dogging. It's a fantastic way to. Uh, I mean, it's simply all you're doing is networking with with other folks, and they're going out and finding you properties. You don't necessarily have to pay them up front. Um, you can you can work out a, a payment plan on any deals that you get, and um, you know that's a great resource as well. It's totally totally free. Yep, I agree. Then, hey Terry, Terry said if you're broke, go to RIA meetings and offer services for training. Try to work with somebody. Uh, you know, meet somebody like Jeff at the meeting and say, Hey, you know, I want to learn what you got. I can do for free. You know, he'll probably do a little bit of teaching for you. I don't know. He's pretty high dollar now. He may not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but really, you know, network with people and just ask questions. Um, you know, go hang out at those RIAs. I think that's a great idea. Um, and, and just meet people. It just, just, just sit there your first couple of meetings and watch. It won't take you long to figure out who the players are. You know, so, can I tell you, uh, 
the, the greatest resource for me right now for leads, and it has been for probably the last year, probably anywhere from 50 to 60% of all, all deals that I have done in the last year have all come through referrals. So networking is, it's, a, it's definitely a, a long play game. It takes a while to build up a, a number, you know, a reputation or, a, a, you know, it takes a while to uh, build up that credibility. But man, you really, really need to be talking to people. And we talked about agents. Um, I'm going to give you an example here of something that uh, recently happened to me um, that is going to make me quite a bit of money. And that is, uh, I have a broker that contacted me. Uh, this has been about a year ago, and I was actually on their actually on their podcast. But um, broker contacted me. He knew exactly what I did because I make it I make it known to everybody that this is what I do. I am a creative financing guy, and he contacted me and said, "Hey, we've got." He's also so he's, he runs a brokerage and he also runs a, a, a side. Uh, a side house buying business. He contacted me and said, Hey, we get all of these leads coming in and we have, I've heard about subject two, but I, I just don't, I don't know what the heck to do. I don't know how to handle this. And I said, well, um, let's talk about me handling that for you. You bring me some, you bring me those leads, you bring them uh, qualified. I've given them a little, uh, a little bit of training on, what to look for and, and uh, how to present it to, uh, to a seller. Uh, I set up an automatic uh, uh, calendar system. So I don't, I don't have to, uh, for them to go in and schedule an appointment for me based on my free time. And so they, they now send me these leads. I just get an appointment, you know, on, on for all of these pre pre-qualified leads. Uh, and so, that's just another aspect of this whole networking thing. You just never know that with the people in this business, you just never know uh, what they, what their goals are and what it is that they're, uh, they're wanting to do or, or what they're want, not wanting to do. This guy in particular, he did not want to have another arm of his business where uh, he had to go out and now try to close these subject to deals that he knew nothing about. He didn't want to have to go out and learn um, how to do this and, and, an expert at it. Mm -hmm. So the deal that we worked out, I'll just tell you the percentages. I get a lead in my, in my inbox. Uh, I go out on the appointment. If I get it under contract, I become a 30% equity member of that subject to uh, an equity partner in that deal. So he gets 70%. I went out, got it under contract. I closed it for him. Boom. I'm done. I know I have no other you know, I'm not putting any money into it. I'm not doing any of this. I simply closed that deal for him. And now I'm a 30% equity partner for the life for however long they own that property. So mm -hmm. I just get a check. Yeah. Uh, so networking is, uh, you can say it's a, it's a long play. You, you definitely, um, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's super, super important. And like I said, number one source of leads for me. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. Uh, Eugene asks where to find a sub two attorney. And I'll tell you, Eugene, I think we're going to wrap it up with this one. Anybody that we didn't get to, uh, I, th I think Jeff will help me come back in and answer some questions uh, uh, in the, in the post, but uh, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier on doing your own closings, learning to do a kitchen table closing. Uh, there are some parts of the country where literally title companies and attorneys won't touch a sub two. I know we've got students in the Baltimore area who have big problems with that, finding people to do it. Uh, my advice to you, if you're, if you're new and you're looking for somebody, uh, is go to the RIA meetings, network with other investors. They will lead you to the person in the area that will do that sort of thing. And, and just make sure, and I tell people this all the time, you may not prefer to do a kitchen table closing. Again, you know, it's like Terry, Terry's commented here. Uh, in the in the comments that they they use an attorney for every closing it's it cost her 650 bucks it's well worth it for the peace of mind and I get it everybody's got their thing what they're comfortable with their comfort level uh, but there there may be a time when you can't get something done your attorney 
is out of, you know, they're on vacation. This is the one in town that'll do it. Uh, somebody's going to the auction tomorrow. They call you at the last minute. I want to sell right now. Can we do it? I guarantee you, Terry probably knows how to do a kitchen table closing, whether she prefers to or not, because she's a smart investor and she buys a lot of houses. Uh, but so use an attorney if, if that's your comfort level, if doing it yourself, if you're a risk taker or a rule breaker like you know me or Jeff or whoever. Uh, but, but, you know, learn the process, whether you plan on doing it or not, because there may come a time that you have to, but how do you find that attorney network with other investors, go to the RIA meetings, uh, or just, you know, I think I watched a Ron LeGrand video once and he, he answered that question. How do you find an attorney for creative deals? He said, you see the phone book, pick it up, start calling them. Do you do this? No click. Do you do this? Yes, you're my guy. And that's it. Go down the, go down the list. Uh, you'll find the person that'll do it. Uh, somebody there will do it. Chances are it may take you a while to find them, but, uh, but try those things. They'll work for you. Um, anyway, that's what I would do for it. So Jeff, man, I appreciate you so much for being here today. Hey, I had a really good time and I think everybody else did too. I know we got, there were a ton of questions here and we didn't get to, but we're going to, we're going to come in and answer those in the post. So we should do this more often. hundred percent. I had, a, I had fun. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm one that that's actually the reason why I be, why I started coaching students. Cause I, I love to spill. I love to love to spill my guts on this stuff. I really do. It's, it's yeah. a lot of fun. So uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. That's, that's the thing too, is that, uh, most investors, really like to talk about real estate. And mm -hmm. most of the people we know, family, friends, whatever, you start talking about real estate, they go, oh no, you're going to try to suck me. I literally had a guy tell me one time, no, you're not pulling me into the real estate vortex. I'm not, you know, so, so anyway, great. So man, we appreciate you. Uh, like I said, Jeff's over at Sub2 Empire, a great teacher. And, and you know, there, there aren't enough people to learn from, good people. A lot of people teach it, but I'm telling you, there's there's some I wouldn't you know, be careful if I listen to them, but Jeff's not one of those guys. Uh, he's safe, so go check Appreciate him out. That, All right, guys, we're going to let you go. Have a great day. Talk to some sellers, buy some houses. I'm going to try to figure out how to stop this thing, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Right.